0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Acts chapter 2, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Be saved. Hallelujah. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's pray. Mm. Father, I pray for a special grace to hear your voice within my voice. I pray that as your word has been written, it would become alive and active that it would minister to us, that it would penetrate to the very core of our being. I pray, Lord, that you would release transforming, healing grace and cause us to know you in all your fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen. So God has us in his heart. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. And so Jesus comes to the earth, born of a virgin, supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit, lived for 33 years approximately among us, suffered, was beaten, was scourged, was, was just went through a horrible, horrible ordeal, climaxing with crucifixion. Jesus was dead. He died for us. Completely, 100% pure dead. And on the third day, he rose. Now the disciples were witnesses of this. They couldn't believe it. Even when they saw him, they still doubted. They, They couldn't understand how you could be absolutely dead, dead upon a cross, crucified, and then be alive, still with the the nail prints, the wound in the side, fully, fully alive. For 40 days, Jesus taught them about the kingdom. Then he told them to stay, tarry until they got endued with power from on high. And so we find that on the day of Pentecost, after they've been together for a whole week praying, the Holy Spirit is released. And there is something that begins that is absolutely miraculous. Selfish, broken, wounded people humbled themselves, became one, declared that their their trust and their faith was in Jesus and the holy spirit was poured out upon them in such a way that there was a oneness like never before seen and as they came together and they yielded <laughs> and last week we looked at all the dynamics that comes to to yielding our our speech as they as they came together and they They submitted and yielded to God in such a way that he had profound abilities to come upon them and to speak through them and anoint their words in ways that as they were declaring the praises of God, it gathered a huge crowd. It was a miracle. It was a miracle that people were hearing and that they were uh, receiving what, they were, what was being proclaimed. And as they were coming around, uh, we find in our text that some thought they were a little tipsy, had too much to drink. Others said, hmm, let's come. And then the next miracle is Peter, who denied Jesus three times, had to be personally restored by Jesus as they were out fishing. And three times was asked, do you love me more than these? And three times he says, Lord, you know, I love you like a brother. And after the reinstatement, Peter is once again in the upper room. He's leading, but I I still don't think it's the full Peter. I don't think it's really truly who he was. But as he's there, the spirit falls upon him. And he becomes the spokesperson of what we call the first sermon of the New Testament church. He gets up and preaches a miracle. Let's look at at what he says. We read it, and you're thinking, man, if Rick would just preach that long, we could go be the first ones in line at uh, your favorite restaurant. But here he goes. These guys aren't drunk. He wants to make sure that they, they understand they're not drunk, they're prophesying. They're praising God. And they're doing it supernaturally. They're doing it in languages that they've never studied for, they've never learned. And they're prophesying about God's wonder, the wonders of God. And so we have this. He says, in the last days, Joel has told us what this is. And so he uses the Old Testament. He goes back to what all the Jews would know, the Old Testament prophecy about in the last days, how the spirit of God would be poured out upon all flesh. And as he goes and he draws upon that, he says, this, what you hear and see right now is the fulfillment of the scripture. This is crazy stuff, folks. This is, this is miraculous stuff. And everybody's listening and and. and and so far, that's pretty good, don't you think? He's got their attention. He understands. They're, 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 they're wondering, what is this strange stuff that's going on? All of them speaking, and we can hear them in, in our own language. And we know they're Galileans. They're ignorant fishermen. They, they're tax collectors. They, they identify with the Old Testament prophet Joel, and they start to get a clue what's going on. This is the pouring out that has been promised. As they've been looking for the Messiah, they missed him. And now the aftermath of the the Messiah, they're seeing the sign of of Joel. So they're they're just going, wow. And he's talking about the the, the phenomena in nature, the heavens, the earth, uh, billows of smoke, the sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And once again, the word there for saved is sozo, meaning complete wholeness. They will be whole. So he goes on. Good, good start. He, he sucked them in. They, they're all buying. Okay, yeah, this is fulfillment of prophecy. Anybody excited about seeing prophecy fulfilled? Yeah, let's see it. Let's go. This is good. This is really nice. He's setting them up. Pretty good way. Everybody's feeling good about themselves. God's moving. God's moving. We're his chosen people and he's moving in our behalf. And now what happened that Joel prophesied is is happening and is fulfilling. Oh, good. Messiah's probably right around the corner. Let's go. Go, team, go. And then he talks about Jesus. Hmm. Brings it all down. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. You've experienced Jesus. You've seen him heal. You've seen him feed the multitudes. You've seen him interrupt the funeral service and give a boy back to his mother. You've seen Lazarus come out of the tomb after four days. You've seen this stuff. You've seen these signs and wonders. This man you handed over. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. I bet it got a little quiet. Hmm. We like it when God's doing something and it's, it's for our side and we're winning. And then we find out, whoa, Jesus was the Messiah and we killed him. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death couldn't hold him down. Even though he was 100% dead, Death couldn't keep him. Uh, don't you love, I, I used to love the Carmen, the song uh, where Lazarus has come forth and, and all of that. And you, you think that, it's, that the enemy's won. And, and then the, the, the drama that he did as well about the crucifixion of Christ and Satan thinking that he's actually won the bout. He's won the match. And he finds out that's not the way it works in the kingdom. It's impossible for death to hold the one who is life, the way, the truth, and the life. It's impossible for death to hold him down. So it talks about how David and, and David talked about him. And it, it, it comes from Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. Such a wonderful, wonderful passage. I love that. You've made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Just love that. But Peter says, David was a prophet. I didn't know David was a prophet. I thought David was the king. Ah, king and prophet. Very similar to Jesus, huh? Jesus is the king of kings, Lord of lords. He's also the prophet. He is the prophet. He fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament. And he speaks, and when he speaks, Lives are changed. And so as, as they see this, and, and Peter clarifies this isn't just about, this isn't about David. This is David talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah here. He's talking about the Christ. And as Jesus was resurrected, we see that this is, is a connection that brings uh, an impact into the audience as they're listening. They're hearing this. They're starting to believe. They're starting to understand. They're not liking all of it, but they're starting to get with it. So he goes on, he shares about the resurrection of Jesus. He shared that his body was not abandoned to the grave. It did not see decay and that it was raised to life. And they were all witnesses of that because they've just been, you know, 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection and another 10, you know, another seven days since then, uh, since his ascension. And now they're waiting Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. That which you now see has been poured out. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. We've started a new chapter in this history of God and man. The very purpose for which Jesus came was not just to atone for our sins. But to provide a way for us to receive the Holy Spirit, the life-transforming, empowering Holy Spirit that's able to take us out of all our selfish, self-centered, egotistical life and cause us to come into a relationship. I love the, the word of intimacy this morning. Intimacy with God, one with him. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So we have the promise. We have Jesus exalted to the right hand and all his enemies are a footstool for his feet. Hmm. Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore in the scriptures, you always need to see what it's there for. Okay, so pay attention to the therefores. Everything that happens previously is coming up to this point. And because of all that has been preceded, he says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. All of Israel be assured of this. He's, he's speaking to a Jewish population. But you can take that same message and you can say, let all the earth, let every human being be assured of this. God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. Oh, I skipped whom you crucified, didn't I? Did you notice that? A lot of times we'd like to just say, well, you know, it's, it's those Jews. It's those Jews they crucified him. Last I checked, my sin would have been enough to crucify him. The reason Jesus had to die is because we sin. And he loves us so much, he wants to restore us to what he originally had in his heart when he created us. So there we can identify Jesus whom we crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. What do you think that means? The word is powerful and effective. Dividing to separate bone and marrow. Hmm. Flesh and spirit. It it knows how. There's There's a sharp razor edge to the very gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ if your heart is to find the truth. And if there's anything that's drawing you to your Creator when you hear it, it cuts to the heart. And especially when we realize it's because of our selfishness. It's because of our self-centeredness. It's our willing to be autonomous outside of the lordship of Jesus that causes him to suffer and to die. Gosh, when I, when I just watch human stories that man has written that tries to communicate what happens when someone suffers unjustly and he does it out of love for you. It just breaks my heart. Sometimes when, when we think of cutting to the heart, sometimes I, you see in the scriptures how quickly the women respond to Jesus. All through the gospel, the women, the, the women really have very little faith issues. They, when they see Jesus, they know who he is. They, they, they come and they they almost open their hearts immediately to Jesus. Where the men, <laughs> because of their lack of, of connecting, I believe, with their heart, it's harder for them to, it's harder for their heart to be cut as deeply. So as a male, if you're a male here, and you ever, ever feel some, something happening in your heart, where you're feeling, where you're feeling uh, remorse, or you're feeling uh, pain, not a heart attack pain, but relational pain, you're feeling something that's grieving your heart. Something, embrace that, guys. Embrace that. All of us should embrace that. Especially when we're hearing the word of the Lord and and we're hearing his, his word and it comes to us, we need to embrace it. Oh. And it's strange. So there they are. They're undone. They realize that, yeah, we, we let go Barabbas we exchanged the son of God for a murderer. We, we stood behind and we said, crucify him. And Jesus died upon the cross. And we didn't know it. We didn't, we didn't understand that he was the son of God. Now, what happens when after the fact, you look back and you realize that you were betting on the wrong horse? What a terrible... Metaphor to try to communicate this point. What happens when you discover you're wrong? That what you thought was the right one ended up being the wrong one, and the one that you let go was the right one. Anybody ever had that experience in life? Nobody here has ever done that, huh? Okay. Man. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 interesting of what happens. It's like well Hawaiian punch no V8. V8 did a whole commercial based on that. I could have had a V8. I chose the wrong one, you know. And and, and it's like what happens when you realize you you you've made the wrong selection. It's like oh you ever gone to the restaurant? When we go out with the Baumgartners, I have learned through time to pay attention to what Susie Baumgartner orders, because whatever she orders, if I don't order that, mine is not the right one. When I look at hers, I thought, "Oh, this looks so good on the menu, but oh, look at it now." And it, oh. I wish I had ordered what Susie ordered. And so there's, there's, there's this angst of, oh, how much more when you crucified, when you, when you had someone put to death and you realized that they were innocent. When you came to the realization that this person was innocent and I stood and thought 100% he was worthy of condemnation, He should be crucified. I was 100% sure of that. And now I find out he's innocent. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. We just killed the Messiah. Cut to the heart? Yeah, I think so. It, It would take us right down to the very core of I can't believe I did that. But the good news, the one that we put to death God raised to life. Whew. Thank you, Lord. So what do we do? What do we do? It says, "Repent." <laughs> and be baptized. Repent and be baptized." Hmm. Yeah. Jesus, when he came on the scene in Mark chapter 1, he said, repent and believe. Repent and believe. And now it's repent and be baptized, every one of you. If you really, if you really realize that you, you condemned an innocent man and his blood is on your hands, then repent. Because God's already paid the price. What we deserve, Jesus went through and was our substitute and died. So repent. It it means to change your mind. It's like, okay, now I know the truth. Now I know he's innocent. Now I know he's not deserving of death. Now I know he's the son of God. Now I change my mind about Jesus, and I no longer say, get him out of here, crucify him. I say, Oh, I changed my mind. I am so sorry. Forgive me for the choice I made. Please, please, turn me around in my thinking. Turn me away from the way that I was going. And so we find out that the very first thing that what we've got to do when we realize. Pentecost has come, we realize Jesus has been highlighted as Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. And so we repent and baptize everyone in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We get our sins forgiven. We confess what our sins are. We ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And we find in John's writing that when when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we not only get our past sins forgiven, but there's a purification process that he initiates within us. I'm putting you to sleep, aren't I? Oh, Jesus, help me. Hmm. After we deal with the forgiveness of sins, The second thing that we do is we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I I find that many times in church we can go all our life and we can understand a part about Jesus and we understand that he's, he's the son of God and that he died upon the cross and that he loves us and that on the third day he was raised and we can go through the story and he's at the right hand of the, of the father and he's in heaven and, he, and one day he's going to return. But if, if we miss this, we'll miss all of what he came for. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift. That's the second thing that they have to do. First, deal with their sin and forgiveness. Second, receive the Holy Spirit who's a gift given to you. And so when we receive a gift, we got to receive the gift. I got a gift for you. You got to take it, don't you? It, it's not hers until she takes it. And you've, I know you've heard this kind of sermons all your life, but if you don't receive the gift, and that's why he says, uh, You got a gift, it's in your account, it's in heaven. And after you die and you get to heaven, guess what? You'll find in your account is the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of the Father. It's a gift given to you. No, the language is receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, receive it. You got to take it. You got to receive it. And Paul goes on to tell us that our bodies are not our own. They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, he comes into you and he makes up his permanent address inside your body. He indwells. He he resides. He abides in you. Okay? We're there? We got to receive him. We got to receive him. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? To yield. It's a gift. We we receive him. We we ask him to come in. in. Many ways it's kind of like how you got saved. You received Jesus Christ into your heart. You asked him to forgive you for all your sins. You received him into your heart. You asked him to be Lord. And, and that's all an act of faith. It's all something that's it's transpiring within your heart. That's why they were cut in their heart. Because I believe sometimes God has to cut away the stuff that is blocking us from being able to receive. And so he made an incision in their heart so he had a, a place that he could insert the Holy Spirit. And as they receive the Holy Spirit, we receive him into our hearts. And as he sets up residence in our hearts, guess what? He affects every part of our being. Physical, spiritual, mental. Oh, thank God. Let's have some mental health around here. Let's have some mental. Our volition, our will, our desires, our affections. He comes in and he he wants to touch all of those things. So what shall we do? We'll deal with sin and we'll receive the forgiveness of the Father. It's not something that you, you receive it by faith. Jesus died for you. You receive him. You're, you're forgiven and the purification process has started. Thank you, Jesus. And then you receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit and as he comes in and sets up residence, as the Holy Spirit becomes active inside of us, Oh, boy, does it get good. It's not only for us, and that's the, that's the thing. So many times when, when we get Holy Spirit kind of activity, we think it's all just about us. Now, I've had multiple encounters with the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking for some more. He constantly wants to continuously fill us. And, and I talked to you about the sale like a sailboat sail. And we want to catch the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To be full of the Spirit is like a sail that's been fully caught all the wind. It's, it's faced in the right direction. It's faced in the direction so that the, the location of the wind is coming and it's getting the maximum. It's the maximum blow of the wind. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Continue to do that for us the Holy Spirit is really to encompass all of our life from that point on. The problem is we've got an adversary who who continues to trick us into thinking that somehow we are better at controlling our lives than the Spirit is. And so we find that we have this wrestling with the Spirit and our flesh. And and we have this, this tension that's not healthy. Because the enemy gets us to think thoughts that make, it, make us believe that if I give the Holy Spirit everything, I'll be one of those religious fruitcakes. Now, how many want to be a religious fruitcake? You know, before the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we see these people just going in religious frenzies and everything. It's just like, I, this is so undignified. I do not want anything to do with If that's the Holy Spirit, forget that. And that's always said from a position of not having encountered the Holy Spirit. Now, do some people act kind of crazy and weird? Yeah. But you know what? They were crazy and weird before the Holy Spirit came into them. <laughs> Nine times out of 10 too. But you know, that's, that's just kind of how they're wired. But the Holy Spirit's doing something incredible. There's something about getting to a place where we can humble ourselves and yield and allow access of the Holy Spirit inside of us that changes everything. And then our judgmentalism goes right out the window. If we're still afraid of what the Holy Spirit may cause us to do or may cause us to appear, then we really haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We may have tasted something at the beginning, but if you're still hitting the brakes, if you're still restricting the amount of influence he can have in your life or the access to your your world, then you haven't really understood what he's about. What he wants, he's good. He's absolutely good. And if he makes you look like a fruitcake, that's why some of you raised your hand. You know, that's okay with me. Long as I have the fullness of, of the spirit, long as he's putting me on and clothing himself with me, the Holy Spirit's clothing himself with me. I don't know what kind of picture you get right there. If you're, you're thinking you're the, I, I, I know we, we personify the Holy Spirit, he is a person, but we humanly personify him. I don't know if you think you're the britches or the shirt or if you're the ball cap or if you're the wristband. I, I don't know what you think of when you think of how he might clothe you with him, but he's putting you on and you fit. I think sometimes I'm thinking, oh gosh, Holy Spirit, you're, you're a quadruple extra large And I'm only an extra large. I know when you put me on, you're going to stretch me. Yeah, he might. I've been stretched. You might rip me. Guess what? He's not going to rip you. He'll break you. And when he breaks you, he breaks you in the right spot. He never breaks you in the wrong spot. The evil one will break you in the wrong spot. This world will break you in the wrong spot. Human beings will break you in the wrong spot. The Holy Spirit only breaks you in the right spot. He only breaks you in a way that you can have more. He only breaks you in a way that you can understand more of who he is and what he has for you. He is safe. Kind of. He's not a tame. He's not tame, (laughs) but he is good. He is good. Mm. Okay, I'm going over again. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we love you.
1: Uh
0: We just invite you to come right now. Mm -hmm. There are those things that we know about you and we believe are true. And we delight ourselves in And then there's those places where we think we know what's true about you. And we're, for the most part, convinced that it's probably true. And then there's those things that we don't have a clue about you. We've yet to understand the depths of your goodness, the depths of your mercy and love the power and the authority that you want to release, the anointings that you have for us. And so we just want to say, Lord, cut us to the heart. Cut us a fresh cut today in our hearts that we might receive the Holy Spirit in ways that we've never experienced him, in ways that he and his wisdom know is good and right for us. You just take your hand, put it over your heart. Mm-hmm. If the Word has in any way, the living Word Jesus, you've been cut to the heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to enter in through that incision. And do the work that only he can do in your heart today. He's purposeful. He never cuts without having a purpose. If he's, if he's making a cut in your heart, invite him to fill that. We find that the fruit of his presence, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Right on. And it goes on from there. All the different eight other manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Allow him to come in. If you don't get anything this morning, I pray that in the cut of the Spirit that you receive a fresh filling of of divine love. Before any of the gifts can really be function at the level and in the manner in which the Holy Spirit gives them and the Father wants you, Jesus died that we could exercise them, there's got to be the foundation of love. So I say, Lord, let the incision of that first cut just fill us with your love so that we have a foundation for revelation. I pray, Father, for those that are ready to receive a greater, a greater impartation of words of knowledge and prophecy. Father, that in those places that your love would fill so that we could be entrusted with revelation because we will respond to people with the love that you have for them. We will love them as you would love them. And we would steward the words and the revelation and the gifts that you give to us. First and foremost, out of a heart of love. Out of your heart that you've given to us. May we steward every gift that you give to us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If I've raised more questions than I've answered, then I've done my job. <laughs> I'll be up here at the front, feel free. If you have anything that you wanna talk, if you want prayer, if there's, if there's something that is still going on in your heart and it hasn't come to peace yet, make sure you don't leave without getting brothers and sisters to pray with you, okay? Anybody that would just raise your hand and say, yeah, the Holy Spirit's doing something. I don't know what he's doing but I need, I need my brothers and sisters to pray. So Father, we ask for your holy presence to fill us. May we set ourselves in the direction that will catch the, full, the fullness of the Spirit today. And may we live to love and to serve and to worship you forever and ever. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.